No, I refuse to start the show today. Not until you apologise. Um, I am deeply and heartfeltly sorry. You don't even know what for, do you? Um, are, you are you making me apologise because my poorly car? I'm making you apologise because we were supposed to be recording this show last week. Yeah. And you didn't turn up. No, you couldn't be bothered to drive up to my house and do it there. You didn't even... So it's your fault. Apologise. <laughs> a, you didn't even suggest that. I did, in my mind. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, fair enough. Then Then I apologise for my disgraceful behaviour that prevented us from releasing the podcast last week. We could have done week. it on Skype, but that, it's always just... Yeah. It is. So we I'd had several not. distraught people... One, <laughs> what distraught really one person one person um said that we had um ruined their commute into work another person said that they were due to be flying to see um some relative or other um uh, uh, but they're not going to go now because they've got nothing to listen to on the plane do you know what i don't believe them <laughs> <laughs> neither do i <laughs> But there There's you go. plenty of other things to listen to. Okay, so now now I've apologised. That didn't work quite out right, quite, quite, quite right too. as I expected. Let's start the show. Welcome to Bioguard.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name is Paul Bag. And my name is Marcus Lillington. Marcus, I've got a broken car, Lillington. Yeah. How much is that going to cost you again? Uh, probably about 50 quid. <laughs> <laughs> he lies, people, he <laughs> lies. He gets this fancy Merc and, and thinks he's king of the road no, and then I it don't. breaks. It's a highly reliable, solid motor. When was the last time you were able to drive it? Not including this weekend when it drove like a van. Yeah, I have been driving it around this week. Basically, it's turbo's got... Well, no, the, the, the piece of mechanical stuff that makes up the turbo is absolutely fine. The kind of block on the side of it, which is all the electronic brains broken, of course, you have to replace all of it. So turbo's gone. Uh, but another little piece. This is really exciting, isn't it? This is brilliant, um, podcast. You're going into a lot more detail than I mm. thought you would do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, otherwise it wouldn't make sense, would it? Um, uh, this other little piece also needed replacing, and it looks like that that piece, the, the new piece to replace that little piece, was faulty, and it's just been like so. It had to go for a second opinion. Blah 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 blah. blah. So it's just been one day after another. Is it ready yet? No, still not working. Oh. I did have it back over the over the bank holiday weekend and drove it round about forty miles an hour. Right. Well, there you go. Um, That's really all you need. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fingers crossed, everyone, that it'll be ready today. Today? <gasps> don't believe it. Well, let's hope so. I don't believe it. And then I can drive fast again. Yes, <laughs> in your Jeremy Clarkson mode. So this this will be. It good. is a diesel car. It's not exactly like a you know Ferrari or anything. <sighs> no, that is true. Um, what are we talking about today? Oh, accessibility. Yes, that's it. Mm. Um, admittedly, uh, many consider this not the most exciting of subjects, but um, I actually think this is quite interesting, mainly because we get a little bit told off by Derek Featherstone. <laughs> Only a little bit, but it's always nice to see us told off. So I that's think it's, good. I think he point he makes some good points, and is quite sort of makes the point that these things aren't optional. Ah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've kind of agonised over how to approach this week's subject. I wanted to talk about accessibility. Um, and because we're doing Boag World, that had to be the accessibility of Boag World, which suddenly felt a little bit close to home. Um, and obviously, being kind of um, what we do and, and how we do it and talking about web design and all the rest of it, we have to kind of take accessibility seriously on Boag World and we have to demonstrate well, be yes. best practice. <laughs> what do you mean yes like that? It's like, you know, uh, but it's quite quite a tricky subject. Well, it's not a tricky subject at all, but basically, yes, we talk, we do a podcast every week about um, web design and doing web design uh, 
basically in the right way. Yes. If you like. Yes. So this, we shouldn't even really be having this discussion. Well, can we I... We should s- be just pointing at it and going, that is an excellent example of a well-designed site from accessibility point of view. Can I just say, <laughs> right, have you never heard the phrase, do as I say and not as I do? doesn't matter because I, I believe, Paul, if we go back to maybe uh, episode one of this series, this we discussed a lot about the fact that the Bower podcast is a vehicle for selling the, the services of the business we work in. So therefore, it has to be a really excellent example of now, how to build a website. Where Derek was being really, because uh, we interviewed Derek, which we'll, we'll play in a minute, where Derek was being really kind and, and, and trying to word things carefully, you're just digging the knife in, aren't you? Might basically. Be, might be. No, but I, one thing, I, well, I'll come on to it afterwards. But so it's one, the, thing he's ta- one thing I've taken from it, um, which I will mention later, so remind me. Uh, an important lesson. Okay, I'll ask you after we've done the interview. Yeah. I mean, what I, the, the reason I agonise over this subject, yes, we want to be show best practice. Yes, we want Baragor to be accessible. But I also wanted to be honest about how hard it can be in the real world to especially, make your website accessible. Especially with a site like Baragor that's, yes. that's nearly all audio. Yes, exactly. So, anyway, as a starting point, um, as you probably gathered, I decided to talk to, you, to accessibility expert Derek Featherstone. And you can find a link to his site, find out a bit more about him in the show notes if you want to. Um, and it, it proved to be a challenging conversation. So here is the interview. Um, it's quite long. It's about 30 minutes. So sit back and enjoy Derek making me squirm just a little bit. <laughs> Hello there. Hello, Derek. How are you? Fantastic. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent. Um, so I'm checking in, sir, because uh, apparently I need to talk to you about accessibility before I get myself into too much trouble. Well, it's always it's always good to do uh, to 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 check on things before you get too far down the process. <laughs> so that's that's good. Coerced, I think, was the word we used in our email exchange. <laughs> I th- I, and I think you know, there's there's a certain value to uh, to to positive coercion. <laughs> Absolutely, I entirely agree. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I desperately needed to talk to you about this stuff, so it, it's good. It's good that you you approach me, and I I think we need to get into the heart of it because I do actually have quite a few questions um, relating to kind of how Boag World works and that kind of stuff. So um, right. So yes, let's 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 dive in. I mean, the big Sounds one, good. the big one from my point of view, Boag World. I do a lot of video, I do a lot of audio, and um, I should, in theory, I'm imagining get um, transcriptions of all of that stuff done. Um, and I don't know where the line is, to be honest, Derek, because um, you know, let's take take the audio, right, the podcast stuff. I've been very right. fortunate with the podcast stuff that, that I've got a great group of people that will transcribe stuff, you know, things like this call that we're doing now. Right. Um, and also, um, I've, you know, I have to write out stuff anyway for the show, which effectively is a blog post that I work through. <coughs> so I guess my question with, with that stuff is, is it always the right thing to do a transcription or is actually are there a, is there an argument for doing something as an alternative way of getting to the same content? Let me explain what I mean. Right. So so when I do the podcast, we do a lot of rambling and there's a lot of kind of going off on tangents and that kind of stuff. Now, if you transcribe all of that literally and put it on the website, it's annoying, you know, um, because it's got all of our you know tangents off of it and the rest of the place. So I I started taking the route of of just putting a blog post up there that's a much more coherent, organized, you know, uh, breakdown of whatever subject. But is that enough, do you think? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. And I, I would ask, you know, a, a, number of, a number of questions. I mean, if, you know, why, why is the tangential, uh, why is that annoying in a transcript? Uh, well, perhaps it isn't, but it certainly, as I read back through it, it it feels like a lot of waffle and not, uh, you know, because reading is a different experience, I guess, 
to to you know actually listening to something that you know to to some degree boag world is a kind of thing that you have on in the background it makes you feel like you're a part of a kind of office environment almost or you know with other people bickering and 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 you know discussing stuff you know and we we get onto completely unrelated subjects sometimes you know about you know what the weather's like or where marcus is going on holiday and it, it just feels like in, in written form that doesn't seem to translate very well. And I wonder whether there's an argument for, you know, this is a different medium. We need to treat it in a different way. Right. And, and, and I can see that there would be, you know, that you would certainly feel that for, for certain parts. Uh, and I guess one of the questions that I would follow up with on is, you know, if that, if that banter and the back and forth is part of creating the atmosphere that you're trying to create mm-hmm. um, is is there value in having that atmosphere created for somebody that simply cannot listen mm. to the live show? Yeah. Is that banter coming through in the in the written format? You know, the the only chance that they have really to understand what your relationship is like with Marcus. Yeah. Um, are there uh, you know is that something that that helps contribute to the overall feeling that you're going for just in a, in a different format. So, mm. you know, while I, while I, I completely understand what you're saying, um, I think one of the things to, to consider is that, you know, while, while you're, while you're thinking that the banter and the back and forth and the tangential is, is really fantastic in the, in the, in the primary format, which might be listening, uh, and maybe doesn't belong in the secondary format, which might be the written form mm. for, for a group of people that, that written form is their primary format. Yeah. So it, it may, you know, it, and, and I think there's a judgment call here, uh, that, you know, that, that you need to make. Um, but I would, I would favor, I think in many ways, uh, here's the transcript, uh, here's the full transcript, which you're going to have done anyway, but then here's, here's the blog post, which you're also doing, which summarizes and doesn't include the tangential, or maybe it calls, calls attention to some of the key components. And then mm. that way you're providing, you're providing that extra value to everybody and not just people that can, that can hear. I guess that kind of comes on to the, the, the second and related issue to this, which is, is, you know, to be honest, the practicalities of this kind of stuff that um, I rely on a group of volunteers to do the transcripts for me, which which we, you know, we do um, where we f- feel is relevant and don't where we don't. But, you know, to some degree, I'm kind of limited on how much I can ask of them. Now, okay, I right. could go out and, you know, pay for services. There are various services around that enable you to do that. Um, but, you know, to be frank with you, we don't have um, really a budget set aside for Boag World, which is probably something we should do. But even in a more general sense, you know, there are other people there that just don't have the budget to pay for, for transcription. And there's also there's um, an immediacy issue here as well of, of some of the, for example, the videos that we produce um, – you know, you think, well, do we wait, you know, should we wait before there's a transcription and put it all out together? Or I'm I'm messing up my questions here. But essentially, I think what I'm getting at is sometimes you feel like if you have to do a lot of people would feel like if you have to do a transcription, then it may lead to to the not using the audio or not using the video at all. Do you know what I mean? So there would be an argument, and I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, of, well, you know, if I have to cater for this minority audience, um, then as, essentially I can't do it at all, and so the majority um, suffer. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying, and, and I guess one of the questions that I would ask, and, and I'm going to ask you probably as many questions as you'll that's ask fun. me no, that's good. Uh, in this, is, you know, do you, for example have an editorial calendar when you know that these videos are going to be done um, so that what you could do, and we did the same thing. We, we did a screencast not too long ago, and we had the, the topic, of it was called Images in Context, and it was a, a screencast that showed how, um, you know, we need to consider alt text. It's not just, it's not as simple as it seems, and so we need to con- consider the context of the images and how they're being used and, and just kind of walk through some examples. And 
we had it recorded. We were ready to go. We could have published it right away. Um, but we also have a great transcription provider that we work with. And so we waited that extra day and got that, got the transcripted, the transcribed content, mm. built it in and, and launched it all at once. Mm. Um, and, and I think if you're, you know, if, if you are, if you're, if you're constantly feeling like you're behind, then you're going to feel, well, I can't, you know, I've got to get this out there. I've got to get this out there, and I'm going to put it out without the transcript. Um, we, you know, I, I think that the planning side of it has to come into play for for everyone. Mm. Um, the, you know, the, and the transcript, you know, kind of overlapping the answers to your questions as well. You, you had mentioned that you don't really have a budget set aside uh, for, you know, for Boag World. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you need a, a huge budget for it, but you know, the there is a there is a reality that that we all have to face. And one of the things that people have said for, for many years is that, you know, if you use web standards, accessibility comes for free. Um, but there are real hard costs to providing accessible content. Yeah. And one of, one of those is, is getting your content transcribed. Mm. Uh, now you're, you know, you're doing it right now through, through volunteers. Uh, and, and that's great. Uh, but, you know, we, we use a very, cost-effective transcription service and it doesn't I think it costs me about a uh, dollar a minute and it's human transcribed and it's it's absolutely fantastic right. uh, we do it for we do it for every virtual seminar that we do for our Q&A calls that we do for our screencasts for absolutely everything and it's just something that we built into our built into our plan Who is um, that and if you, you use, by the way um, we are using uh, a group called let me just pull up the site here uh, I believe. I just want to make sure I've got the the right sure. URL. It's the small business transcriptionist that we use, um, and it's the the URL is the small business transcriptionist dot com. Uh, so we use we use their team, and they're they're fantastic. They've they've been really great for us, and they they produce things that look just wonderful um they you know they they produce for our virtual seminars they produce transcripts and they actually go to the point of formatting them and you know formatting them and matching our colors and they use our template and and they they do that um for us and and they're fantastic really really wonderful so um you know there there is a cost and and you need to plan for that there that's that's part of what doing your very best work is is about i think in this mm. case and 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 that transcriptionist you know the 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 fact that you're doing anything with it now <clears throat> and you have volunteers transcribing tells me that you care about it mm. um but i think what we need to do or or what you what you should consider anyway is is looking at uh, you know how how long that will take and and what it's worth um and and i think you know to be honest with you you're you've got a a fairly popular show that a lot of people would look to as an example. So yeah. I, I think that that kind of, you know, and, and I look at it, there is no way as an accessibility advocate that I could put something out there that didn't have uh, transcription, uh, a transcript available and captions on our screencasts. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, no, um, and, and And, you know, I think people probably in your position should should probably look at it in much the same way. Yeah. I mean, I certainly, it's certainly something that I've, I've taken seriously with the podcast although like i said I, i'm i'm still somewhat torn as to what the best approach to that is it um yeah. it's where i've been slack and i know i've been slack has been over the screencasts that i've done and where i've given a presentation um at some conference and you know the video is i've then got a video at the end of it and i don't tend to get that transcribed um, where perhaps I should. It, it's, it, it's getting the balance right, isn't it? it, it of, of, you know, the, if you go cold and callous over this, that it's a balance between a kind of moral obligation and the return on investment issues here. Um, and, you know, getting that balance is difficult. But you're right. I mean, from a, from, you know, because of the kind of work that we undertake um, and because of the kind of things that we do as Headscape, you know, I, I think it is a necessity and it is something that I need to readdress. So, yeah, I entirely take on board what you're saying. Right, cool. Let's turn to the other thing that I want to talk to you about is, is HTML5. OK. Yes. Because 
all the cool kids are coding stuff in HTML5 these days. I'm in quite a spoiled position as I look at my website that, um, you know, I've got less than 2% of people using IE6 or IE7. So it opens up a load of possibilities for me in terms of what I can code from HTML5. Before I jumped in, however, you know, I'm, I'm not as up on accessibility as, as I should be at the moment. And it suddenly occurred to me, hang on a minute, do, do all these screen readers support all this cool new, you know, semantic stuff that we've got going on, these new, you know, sections and asides and all of the rest of it? Or am I going to create problems for myself going down this HTML5 route? So I thought I'd ask you, what, what's the situation with HTML5 at the moment? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's evolving, right? And that that's part of part of the reality of HTML5 right now is that, you know, we, we just happen to be in a situation where HTML5, generally speaking, works in browsers and therefore people aren't going to want to use it. Um, you know, you don't have difficulty, even, even with those older versions of Internet Explorer, we can still uh, find ways to, you know, to style them and, and you know, uh, use, them as, use them as style hooks and, and uh, access them with with scripting because they're they're part of the DOM. So we've got that that ability in in browsers to make something that really there's no visual there's no real visual difference. Um, and yeah. and so there's that expressiveness that comes from these new elements that that everybody has been clamoring for. I want to be able to to use these semantics to to our advantage to be able to do things like you know like say on a blog post. This this is the article, and this stuff is in the aside. Mm. Um, right now, though, that that type of information, that expressiveness, um, and that semantic is not understood by by assistive technology for the most part. So, then oh. um, that's not to say that none of it is. Uh, but you know, my favorite example is the nav the nav element in HTML5, which in in theory should allow us at some point in the future to eliminate the need for skip to main content links and, and those sorts of things that are, that are really those solutions that we've put in place to get around shortcomings um, in, in assistive technology and browser technology. Uh, I mean, in reality, you don't even need a screen reader uh, to, to benefit from some of these things. It would be mm-hmm. wonderful uh, to, for a sighted keyboard user to be able to have access to these things in, in all their browsers so that that you know, if I'm if I'm using uh, a particular browser and I'm a sighted keyboard user, I should be able to just use any you know a specific keystroke to jump directly to the navigational items uh, on on a website. And so that's you know that's the idea behind it. Unfortunately, that just doesn't exist right now. There's no you know all these new elements aren't really worth anything more to a, to a screen reader or to other pieces of assistive technology than a div is. They're, they're basically exposed as divs right. um, so the or, or is, the equivalent I, of a div. Yeah. The question is, am I going to do damage using these? I mean, the one that springs to mind is, is one of the things that, that this, all of this new um, HTML5 stuff raises up is things like having um, you know multiple H1s on a page and and that kind of thing, which I'm guessing could cause problems to screen readers. Could it not? Yeah, and the the way that things work right now with with screen readers and and browsers is they generally don't understand the new the new document outline algorithms that exist within HTML5. Right. Uh, that that whole that whole suite of sectioning content and I mean even as recently I think I just read the other day that that the the H group element um, which was designed to basically allow people to create um, you know more more complicated heading structures within their page that that that's even under review now as to whether or not that will continue. So oh, yeah. the the you know there's definitely issues with the you know, with with the document outlines, they don't really, um, you know, they don't understand at at this point the the new more complicated slash better uh, document outline algorithm. So right. that's something where you know you could, in theory, have you know thirty H ones on a page, and with the new with the new document outline algorithm, they're not actually all H ones. Yeah. They're they're kind of scoped to fit within a specific uh, within a specific content block, but to a screen reader right now, those would all be 
um, you know, headings at, at, at the, at the top level. So, you know, the other, the other side to balance with this is that, you know, there's still so many pages out there that don't have any headings at all. Um, and, and I don't know why that is. So, you know, we talk about one of the requirements that we've had in, in, in accessibility for some time is that we should use a logical heading structure and it should flow and we shouldn't jump from an H1 down to an H4. We should really make sure that it goes H1, H2, uh, H3, H4, and that we have a, that, that logical path. Um, but, you know, from my experience in doing testing with real people with disabilities, even, you know, there's still people that don't even know that they can do heading navigation, first of all. Um, and, and second, in many cases, while there can be some confusion as to what what level of heading means what, um, there's still just a lot of uh, general happiness when when headings are used at all. Right. Uh, because there, as I said, there's there's so much of the web out there that just doesn't have headings in the first place. Right. So I mean that's that's one example. Uh, another, I, I just wrote an article about this last week on uh, on our accessibility blog, um, and and it's called. Uh, accessibility in HTML5 block links. <clears throat> and the one of the, the concepts in HTML5 that we have is that you can wrap a link around block-level content. Yeah. Uh, and when we just didn't have that before. And people would people used to do it anyway, um, but it wouldn't validate. Now we can we can validate it. Um, but that that actually causes some some issues with content being uh, repeated in some cases content being skipped in other cases and it really depends on on how uh, the the you know it's all based on when you have invalid html or or xhtml then the browsers all have different mechanisms for uh, recovering from what they see as errors and so because the browsers weren't necessarily written to understand html5 syntax and what should happen when you have an anchor around block level content uh, their error recovery mechanisms kind of kick in, mm. and you'll see if you look at things in the in the tree, the 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 DOM tree of of different browsers, that they all recover from things slightly differently. Uh. So, you know, when you have, you know, it's it's fine to, you know, back in the old days, we used to not require closing paragraph or closing list item tags, because what ended up happening was when you had a new list item starting or a new paragraph starting, there was an implied close of the previous one. Mm. So the browsers already have that kind of behavior built into them anyway. Uh, but when they, when they close things, uh, the, the results are sometimes a little bit, uh, a little bit off. So <clears throat> the, the, the idea is that you know, even though we can use HTML5 block links, we really want people to understand the implications of doing so. Yeah. Um, so the fact is that if you have a heading and then a paragraph and you wrap that in a block link, uh, in certain scenarios, the paragraph just isn't read out by assistive technology. So you want to make sure that your important, you know, the, the important words or there's enough identifying information for people to understand what's on the other side of the link, maybe just within that heading. Yeah. And then the paragraph is, is more, um, information that is that is in addition that helps people understand it a bit more, but it's not critical to knowing is this the link that I want to follow. Mm, cool. Okay, there's one other area that I'd like to pick your brains over before I kind of just you know let it, let you kind of point me in any other things uh, any other things you you think are relevant. But the the one I, the one area the other area that is always a concern to me is JavaScript. Um, and how it impacts screen readers. And, and you know, I, I've read a load of stuff on this, um, but there's, there, yeah, uh, I'm still somewhat confused about what it is screen readers actually allow and what they don't, in, in not allow, what they, what they will read back to you and what they won't. If you make an in-page update if you're, um, or whatever else, you know, what's it going to read and what it's not? I, and I've almost taken a little bit of... Um, a cop-out scenario on this in some, in some bits and bobs that I've worked on in the past where where because I'm, I'm so unsure of what's going to be read and what's not, I've, I've put, um, you know, I've gone for the, which is probably bad practice and you're going to tell me off for it, but I've gone for the tactic of putting a message at the top of the page that isn't vi- visible to anybody but screen reader users saying essentially, you know, disa- you know click this link to disable JavaScript. 
um, in effect and to remove all the JavaScript from the page so that then everything is, you know, is accessible without JavaScript in the, in the way because it almost seems to create more problems than it's worth. And there seems to be so much confusion about what works and what doesn't, at least from my perspective. So what should I be doing about JavaScript-based stuff? But bearing in mind that, you know, what I do do is designed to degrade, you know, nicely if it's not there. Right. And, and I think that's, that's always a great practice, you know, having that, that progressive enhancement approach where things work both with and without JavaScript. I yeah. think that's, you know, that, that's, that's fantastic. But, you know, the reality is, and I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, that, that most people with disabilities that are using a screen reader don't, you know, they, they don't turn off JavaScript. No. Um, it, it may be off for them. But even then, that's not an issue of, of disability. That's, it's usually turned off for some other reason, like it might have gotten filtered out at the firewall level or, or, or something else. It's not usually done specifically for, um, you know, for, for because I'm using a screen reader, I'm going to turn off, turn off JavaScript. So there would be, what, about, what about having, you know, uh, sorry, I probably didn't explain myself particularly well. And the message that I have at the top of the, the, the screen, I, I put in a... A link that says, you know, click on this link and the JavaScript will be removed for, from this specific site. In other words, right. you know, uh, uh, when they're, they're triggering an event by clicking on that link that, that you know, removes any of the, the rest of the JavaScript will no longer fire on the page. Right. You know? Right. And, and even, even then, I would say, you know, they, uh, I wouldn't say that they would even know what the impact of turning off JavaScript would even be. Like they, they probably, to be honest with you, I mean, have, have you, you've seen the, the video that Google did about, you know, asking people what, what a browser is? Yeah, absolutely. And same thing, right? People don't know what JavaScript is. People that use the web don't know what JavaScript is for the most part. So the only time that they know about it is when they, they get errors or things like that, that, uh, that say there's some JavaScript on this page that failed or, you know, they, they get, they get that in their face then, but they don't necessarily know what it is. So, you know, the, here's the, the simple philosophy that, that we use. Um, if using scripting in Ajax in, and you're doing it for a reason because it's going to benefit the user experience for somebody, mm-hmm. um, I, I firmly believe that we actually should be using scripting in Ajax in, in ways that enhance the experience even more for people with disabilities. So what I, what I mean by that is, uh, and I talk about this quite often, uh, disability issues um, are an amplifier for usability issues. Mm-hmm. So if you have a disability uh, and you experience a, a usability issue, it may be something that you or, not, you or I might have a, a particular issue with a site and it might slow us down uh, by say ten seconds, mm-hmm. uh, but for somebody with a disability, it might slow them down by three minutes. Yeah, um, because of this small usability issue, and and likewise, I think that um, it also works in the in the in the positive. So, where we in- include a feature or something with scripting or with AJAX that makes our job easier by a factor of, you know, by a factor of two, it might, if it's done well, increase increase the efficiency for somebody that's using a keyboard or that, that is using a screen reader by a factor of, of say, 10. Mm. Uh, because th- we've, we've improved the interface by using that scripting such that we, we make it that much more efficient than having to manage things with a, a, non-scripted, uh, a non-scripted, no JavaScript scenario. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of the philosophy that we, that we, that we use and... You know, really, you know, knowing what what scripting is going to be read. I mean, screen readers right now run on top of um, on top of browsers that do understand JavaScript and that do a pretty good job of it. So, you know, there's very few times these days where we've had to look at something and say, "Oh, we're using JavaScript for this, but we can't uh, we we can't use that JavaScript." Um, ultimately, one of the biggest problems with with uh, scripting is that an update happens in the page and even if the content is understood by a screen reader which which most times it is um, there there's things that we don't do that help the user understand what's happened on the screen so you'll pop up a you'll pop up a layer or something or a um, 
a layer. I can't believe I just said that. You'll pop up a div or a faux dialog box. Um, and, and we, for example, we don't move the focus to, to that dialog box so that it takes the next logical, um, you know, the next, it's the next logical focus point in the okay. interface. So w- things like that. And I've written a couple of articles recently on, uh, uh, on, on the web standard Sherpa site about some of these issues on how to use focus to help an interface become more understandable to somebody that can't see it. Yeah. So what we, you know, what we need to do if you're popping up that dialog box and, and a lot of the, the toolkits and libraries are starting to do this stuff for you now. So when you pop up that dialog, we should really place the focus there so that you can interact with that yeah. content next. Yeah. That so that, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues to, to keep in mind, but um, you know, for the most part, most screen readers these days are are able to keep up with those updates, with you know, with very few exceptions. Okay. Oh, that's more encouraging than I thought it was going to be. Then, because you know, sometimes you you kind of read these things in various places that make you think, oh, Blumenek, does that mean that I can't use Ajax in this situation? But it sounds like a lot of the time it's just down to to how that is coded and how that's presented. So but I've taken longer of your time than I said I would. Uh, is there anything else that I ought to keep an eye on that you, you think are, are key issues that I need to be aware of as I go forward? Um, you know, I mean, I think in, in terms of what you're looking at for your site, mm-hmm. you know, you've hit on the big, you know, the big, the big content type issues, right? Uh, you, you're doing a lot of audio and video. So that's, that's really, really a critical piece for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you've hit on all the major things, and I know that the JavaScript issue is something that we've we've talked about before, and I mm-hmm. think that's an important an important piece to understand. And and you know, the problem with that is, you know, most developers are kind of stuck in this scenario where they just don't know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And the only way to really, you know, to to get around that is to is to do testing, and 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 I would I think that's probably the 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 most significant part of what what people can do when they're building sites and and applications is absolutely force yourself to do everything with a keyboard right. um, and, and if you nail keyboard accessibility you make it that much better for for anybody that's using any piece of assistive technology cuz most most assistive technology in in some way or another and it, and this is that's a very broad statement but most of the assistive technology that you're familiar with is either keyboard based or has keyboard emulation and 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 um, you know functions like a keyboard uh, from a from a technical perspective. So if you can deal with providing proper keyboard access, which really means that you're you know you're making sure that everything can be done with a keyboard, but also that it can be done efficiently. Uh, we've seen interfaces where you can do it with you can perform a piece of functionality with a keyboard but it takes you 50 keystrokes to be able to do it right it it needs to be not just doable but it also needs to be efficient um, and and that's that's really you know two of the two of the major uh, two of the major keys to this uh, and i'll send you um, i'll send you links to those articles on the web standard sherpa site that, that kind about, of explore i was for. just about to ask that that would be immensely useful uh, that last piece of as soon as you started talking about testing you know uh, my immediate reaction is oh but you know budget and time scales and you know uh, this isn't a big project but so, that piece of practical advice of just doing everything via keyboard I can do that. Do you know what I mean? I, there's, there's nothing to stop me doing that. It's an easy thing to do. And okay, it doesn't replace proper testing. I'm not suggesting it does. But it's a good, you know, that's a good practical little starting point that I can do right now. Um, you know, and I think I, just from doing that, I, could, I will solve a load of issues. So I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, like you said, that it's not, um, it, and I wouldn't even say, you know, that, that keyboard testing would be a replacement for it should be part of yes. of proper testing yeah. you know and and i think that's that's a, a critical piece there's there's simple things yes there are are more complicated pieces um that i would never expect your every you know every web developer to do but i would expect and and really encourage every web developer to to test with a keyboard 
Yeah. Test everything with a keyboard to check your heading structure to make sure all your form fields are labeled. Yeah. I mean, those are all things that, you know, you don't, you know, everybody asks me this all the time. What screen reader should we buy for testing? And I say, don't. You, you don't need a screen reader to test for things like good structure, mm. keyboard usage, uh, form field labels. You, you just don't need a screen reader for doing that. Mm. And, and given that screen readers cost, you know, upwards of, uh, you know, $1,000 or whatever they cost. I'm not sure what they cost in the UK. But in reality, I would rather you spend that money um, hiring a number of people uh, to, to come in and do testing for you. And, and by that, I mean, let's, you know, we do this regularly. We spend, you know, we'll pay pay different uh, people with, in, in different groups. So we'll get people that are blind to come in and, and work on things with a, with a screen reader and we'll test voice recognition software with people that use it every day. I would much rather spend that $1,500 on testing with real people yeah. for certain things than having my developers test with, with, uh, with a screen reader. Yeah. It, it, you just get so much more value out of, uh, you know, out of the other, uh, out of, out of paying real people to do it and giving them a, a decent honorarium that, you know, that that shows the value that you're going to get out of out of working with them. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Derek. Uh, you've given me loads to think about, and it is a tricky area. It's easy to it's easy to let accessibility slip into the background, even you know, even when you do care about it, even when it is something that's important to you. Other things. Um, quickly crowd it out and I'm really glad you you kind of said hey we need to be talking about accessibility on the show and you, you're right and and certainly there's there's thing a lot more that I could be doing without necessarily a huge amount more work either it's just you know it's just yeah. thinking about these things more than anything else isn't it so very, yeah, absolutely very I mean well that's that's good it all starts with uh with awareness right so yeah. I think that's that's a big part of this so cool well, hopefully, once I've got some stuff up and running, um, I can come back to you and, and uh, we can have a talk again and you can pick holes in what I've done. How about that? That sounds fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for your time, Derek. Thank you, Paul. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. So I thought we were doing pretty well on accessibility <laughs> until we had that conversation. I mean, it's not that Derek was saying we did, we were doing anything wrong. He was just pushing us to do more, wasn't he, really, was the, the kind of lesson I took home from it. But that kind of left me feeling a bit conflicted um, because on one hand, you, you want to do the right thing, but then you also need to be practical, bearing in mind the circumstances you find yourself in. Mm. Um, and accessibility can be hard work. Okay, doing the basics, such as alt tags and semantic code and all that rest, is easy and should be done as a matter of course. However, things do get more complicated, and that's where we come back to the thing of audio and video, which is, is what you were talking about just before we ran the interview. Mm. But you said you were going to say something. Yes, uh, what... What I've kind of taken from this is the fact that we were mentioning before the before the interview with Derek was that this BioWorld is kind of a flagship for our company. Yes. That, and there was quite a long discussion about we haven't got any budget for all this. And basically, we should have, is, my, is what, Absolutely. I'm, what I've taken from this. Yeah. That it, great, sure. If people are willing to, to help us out and do transcribing, et cetera, et cetera, um, then great, but if they aren't, then we need to pay for it. And B, we need to pay for testing. And C, we need to pay for having the correct tools. Although he, Derek said that wasn't actually. Yeah, the, that, t- the tools aren't a big deal. But it's you can't make statements like we did back in episode one. Like this is how we sell ourselves, and it's the only thing we put any effort into on or any money into, or certainly time into. Yeah, without doing it properly. Yes. I mean, I'd agree with that, but I don't think it's just a money issue because this is where I kind of got hung up a little bit. It's not just, this is going to sound even worse, I'm digging a bigger hole here. Oh dear. It's not just (laughs) money, it's also time and planning, right? Yeah. So take, for example, we're recording this on Tuesday, the whatever the date is, 23rd, is it today? Something like that. No, it's the 30th. 30th. Where did I get 23rd? Oh, that's because I wrote the show notes. And it was supposed to be. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. So it's, you know, Tuesday the 30th, it's going to, it's supposed to go out tomorrow. Which it will. 
Which it will, yes. Mm. But it's not going to have a word-for-word transcription if it's going out tomorrow. Good point. So we need to be organised enough mm. to do this considerably in advance. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Likelihood of that happening? I'm, I'm being, I'm trying to be, I'm, we probably shouldn't be this honest on the podcast. Well, no, no, no. I mean, we've said, there's, there's a very easy way around this. We've said, <laughs> we can edit out all the bad things. That well, we no, 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 no. Instead of saying, uh, making promises uh, last week that, oh, you know, it's supposed to be this Wednesday and we will deliver one every two weeks. Um, and sorry, we're a week late because of my car, etc. So it'll be coming out, going out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, we say it'll be out. The following week. Yeah, but I... Is it better to be, you know, to say we're going to deliver something every two weeks and be spot on, bang on that? Or should you be... Is it better to well, deliver... Well, this is where you need to start getting practical and being pragmatic about these things. Mm-hmm. Because we've got, we've got to think in terms of return on investment, right? So, um, okay, on one hand, yes, we want to be seen as a flagship with accessibility, but that shouldn't be our primary motivation for doing it. It should also be to make everything accessible, you know, mm. because yes. it's the right thing to do. But but you've also got to, we've got to consider things like um, being regular and committed in, in what we're, we're putting out and when we're putting it out. And it's not just because this podcast is late this week. We never record it. Far enough in advance. Well, we, because there's a client meeting that comes up that has to come first, or you know, there's always some reason. Uh, but what I was saying, holidays and is all of that. You move the. I'm not saying it's def- the, this is necessarily what I think we should do, but the alternative is is that you you don't stick to your every week or every two weeks. No, it have to become once a month or something like that. Well, no, no. If you can do it every two weeks, do it. If you can't, then it gets pushed back a week. So it's not... Yeah, because I, but I think that that's ultimately damaging. And that's where you've got to balance accessibility against something else. Shifting around the release dates of content is... is well, we've talked about that as being bad practice in the past. Mm-hmm. So you have to back, balance that bad practice against the accessibility thing. And then there are also... There are other exceptions as well. For example, I put out audio tips daily, right? Don't. Well, that, essentially, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I know. You know, it, to get those transcribed is impossible. Because, uh, A, if well, it's not impossible. It's perfectly possible. Yes, I could record a load in advance, send them off and get them done. But if I do that, it will not happen, right? The only way those do- daily audio, and I know I'm coming across very negative about all of this, and I'm, I'm just trying to be mm. honest with people about the... The, the you know some of the issues you have to consider because you see so much written on the web about oh yes we should all be doing it this way and i'm not just talking about accessibility i'm talking about lots of things in web design oh yes we should all do it this way this is the way it, but it, life is more complicated than that mm. and the reality is with those daily audio boos i'm working on something in the day i um it, it sparks in my head an idea i pick up my phone i record it straight onto the phone and it's instantly released it's a no-brainer, right? The you, retu- you use Dragon naturally, don't you? Sometimes. I do do, yes. Could you not talk into your computer at the same time? Well, I have, yeah. I mean, possibly I could, but then that needs re-editing, right? I couldn't use the service I currently use because it gives me no opportunity to upload a transcript, so I'd have to find a new no, service. No, literally on the phone and talking to your computer. Yeah, yeah, I know, that, I know what you're getting at, but where do I then put the transcript that's now sitting on my computer? Good point. Right. Now, well, that's their problem, not yours. Well, no, it's not. It's my problem because I'm the one delivering the service. You can't provide the service. You can't complain about, I don't know, you're shifting the blame. But yes, I know I'm shifting the blame, but with good reason. If you can't associate your audio boo with with the transcribed version on the site, then... even if you wanted to and you put every effort into doing it, how are you going to deliver that? Well, the other way you could do it is I could record the little bits of audio on my phone. I could then FTP them up onto my website. I could create a blog post for them and I could post it with well, a transcript. Then you get back to so you wouldn't do it. Yeah. Then. That is ultimately, that's the problem we've got, is that you have to consider, you know, essentially you've got to consider the return on investment, right? The audio booze really... You know, I don't think they win us any work. It's just something I started doing because I quite fancy doing it. Um, and lots of people have found it useful, right? Hmm. So should we then really be investing time and money 
into making them accessible when there is no business return for it. And I know that sounds really callous, but it is something you have to consider. You know, we are at the end of the day, we are not a charity. Would we be better off? Yeah. Yes, we would be better off because it would be demonstrating best practice to make them accessible. Absolutely. I think you put, my problem with this one is I don't necessarily consider them to be part of the redesign of this website. And that's what we're covering here. And right. I was talking that's about, well sidestepped. Um, <laughs> and when I was talking about it being a flagship, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't consider them to be part of that. Right. So I meant it when I said drop them. If you really are worried about the accessibility accessibility so you issue. would you would just stop doing them correct because you think that the damage it causes from an accessibility point of view is higher so all those hundreds of people i mean I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate partly to from, make it a good start from an, all from of those an, people that are yeah. benefiting and enjoying those audio tips we're going to take that away from them for the sake of a minority this is what people say and everybody uh, goes you can't talk like that when it comes to accessibility. But I do think you have to be pragmatic about this stuff. Um, I, you, you said you don't think they bring a lot of value. And that's my main reason for saying... <laughs> Drop them. <laughs> yeah? But, okay, but as it stands, right, that the amount of effort that goes into them is it's, tiny, is, is insignificant. Therefore they're probably worth doing, right? But as soon as you increase the amount of effort... They're not. Then they're not. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem you've got. But let's also, let's flip that back, right? Let's go back to the show notes, because I, I accept that's a little bit of an edge case, mm. okay? Let's go back to the podcast itself. One of the things that I said in the interview is we do provide really comprehensive yeah. show notes yeah, we do. that are very detailed and cover all of the, all of the subject matter in the show. Mm-hmm. What they don't include is you talking about your car's broken down mm-hmm. and it doesn't include various other bits and pieces and tangents that we go off on. It's a much more focused, concise article. And I have to say, I've been thinking about it since the interview and, 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 um, Derek came back at me and said, well, he actually thinks that we should do the transcription as well, that that gives a sense of our character and our personality and that kind of stuff. I agree with him. Well, so do I. But how far do you go here? We have provided something that provide is, is, in my opinion, in what's there at the moment, is more accessible than giving a complete transcript because it's more concise. It hasn't got the ums and ahs. It hasn't got all the junk in there. And it's put together in a nice readable format. And it takes into account the medium that you are you are interacting with, which is different between audio and the written word. Yes, to provide a transcript too, which is what he was arguing, is great. But do we really need to go that far? Are we inaccessible providing what we provide? I don't think so. I just think that would be an extra. Depends how you look at it. I don't, I don't necessarily think... I think if you're going to provide it, a transcript is a transcript. It's not uh, a version that you, as in someone who's not blind, for example, yeah. you can't... I don't think you're in a position to know what that person wants. Therefore, you should just chuck the, chuck the lot out. And even and though, even though there are additional costs associated with that and additional effort, I'll and go back to how I started this conversation. Right. Yes. You think it's worth it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't actually disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think in our particular case, it certainly is <clears throat> worth putting a transcript in place. I just think it's kind of making a decision for somebody or making a decision for a group about what they should get. But, but you do have to alter. We do that all the time as part of our jobs, right? Mm. Even if you take, you know, visually, you know, people that, that don't, don't well, visually is not the problem here, is it? It's, it's hearing that's mm. the issue. You know, people, um, even with people with perfect hearing, on a normal website with no kind of special need um, or disability or whatever at all, you're still making decisions about what subjects you're going to cover. Do I have to put the whole of Wikipedia on the internet? You know, you're making editorial decisions all the time I in what you do. That's the same thing. It's no, not. Neither do I. Thing. I'm playing devil's <laughs> advocate, but <clears throat> what? there are complexities here. It's not a black and white. The only thing. the only argument you've possibly got there is that one is 
you know, it's a different medium. Yes. But you can argue that if you're someone that can't hear, then this is your medium. And so you don't know what it's... You're, the way someone who's deaf reads isn't the same way that you would read. Cause it, no, yeah, I yeah. do accept that, yes. Yeah, I do accept that. And we would need to, uh, we would need to get into testing that if we wanted to, mm. or asking that. Yeah. Be quiet. I mean, if there is anyone that's deaf that's <laughs> listening... Because that's the other thing. I know of one person that's deaf mm. that is interested in the content of the podcast, and I know she is more than happy with what we provide at the moment. Now... I was about to say, if you're listening to this, well, you're not flipping going to be listening to yeah, it, are yeah, you? Yeah. So, and I don't actually make that point. I need to add that into the show notes because I haven't said at the end, if you're deaf, let us know, and I need to. There is a there, there is another problem with this. Mm. That is, we have, I think you've probably asked via polls, I don't know, half a dozen times, do you like the banter or should we kick it into touch? Yeah. And it comes back 50-50. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. That is a valid question to the deaf audience. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Would you, would you rather have this or not? And you'll get the same response, I would have thought. Yeah. But making the choice for that audience isn't right, in my view. Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Well, let's talk about the practicalities then, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where pragmatism kicks in here. How do we make that happen? Use the thing that Derek said. What, the transcription the service? service. Yeah, Fine. Yeah. yeah, that's easy. That, that, I'm not worried about that. Practically, right? So we've recorded this today. Mm-hmm. This is going out tomorrow. Let's, I, I've, I've decided what we're doing. I've agonised over that as well. Mm-hmm. It's what we've been doing this show. And I'm going to put out a complete transcription of his interview and then my thoughts that surround it. And that's what we're going to do for, for this particular show. Okay. But we've got another one in two weeks' time, right? Mm-hmm. So if we want to get that transcribed, we need to record that of the show today or over the next few days. Yeah, are we, before the end of the week. Yeah. yeah. Are we in a position to be able to do that? I suppose so. Depends on my car, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yes, yeah. But that is the problem, right? Once you have... Pres- Planning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, talking <laughs> practically, there yes, are so Paul, many other I things that we do. I before the end of this week. Right. Because that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get into that mm. kind of efficient method if we're going to get it transcribed. Yeah. Um, and, and we should be able to do that. Shouldn't yeah, we? yeah, Shouldn't yeah. We? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying we've got to follow it through. Can't do it next week, though. <laughs> Why can't you do it next week? I'm not here. Oh, see? <laughs> and therein lies the problem. But I'm here this week. <laughs> but, but yeah, I can't. I might not be able to do it later this week because yeah. I've got stuff with ICS. And immediately yeah. you begin to hit problems, don't you? Yeah. That I mean, that's all I'm saying. I think. I, I think what makes me worry about this is talking in a general sense. Now, but I do entirely accept everything you're saying, and yes, we should be doing transcriptions, and yes, we should be worrying about that. But I do think there is a need to be pragmatic in it. Mm-hmm. That said, I think pragmatism can be used to cover a variety of sins and justify pretty much anything. Oh, we're not doing accessibility because we're being pragmatic about it, you know. And I don't think that's right. And I've written and spoken before about pragmatic um, accessibility. And to be honest, I've then seen a lot of people use that as an excuse not really to take accessibility seriously. And so you do need to be careful. Um, and I think, that, but I think that's why accessibility advocates avoid talking like that they do talk in these absolutes of this fundamentalist stance and i felt a little bit like that as derek spoke right that he was being you know well this is the way you should do things and i think he's doing that because people abuse it if you mm. start talking about pragmatism and you yeah, know you can't give an inch yes take if you, exactly yeah, and yeah. that is the words i've written down here <laughs> right. you know it's fear if you if you give an inch they'll take a mile but I think there's a danger as well in taking that extreme point of view that those people that have got good intentions, and I even felt like it a little bit, if I'm absolutely honest, you know, have got good intentions, end up feeling like they're striving for an unattainable goal and just give up entirely. But if you got Derek over a beer, he would say, that's good enough, but I'm not going to say that Exactly, live. yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably, and we've just put words in his mouth, and yeah. he'll probably tell you off for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm didn't. Yeah, I shouldn't have used his name. That is what a fundamentalist would say to you over a beer. Yes, and quite right that he takes the position he does. I think because it's just 
you've got to kind of take that higher ground to make people kind of try to attain it. But 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 that's what what I'm saying is I think sometimes when you start talking like that, you drive people in the other direction of them going, oh well, I can't do that. I give up. Maybe that's a risk. It's a risk. I I prefer I take the approach. I think he. But I I would still if if I felt in the way that Derek does about accessibility, I think he's right to take the what the the attitude he does and if some people it does drive them away then so be it because it's better than just a kind of general malaise of like oh well we'll just tick a few boxes yes <laughs> i agree that uh, the, the kind of checkbox mentality is is good and i think i think we ought to qualify this by saying derek was pushing me to do better than i'm already doing i don't think he, i mm. didn't feel like he was criticizing in any way Not what i was already doing no. but i'm just making a more general point about these People that set this the bar so high that it puts everybody else off from doing anything. And I, I think, I mean, my attitude towards accessibility is whatever you're doing, do a little bit more than that. Mm. So in our case, we need to off, start offering transcriptions because yeah. that would be a little bit more than we're already doing. For somebody else, it might be just putting flipping alt tags on their images and I don't, and I think that should be our attitude towards accessibility rather than here's a massive big goal that you have to reach and you may or may not achieve that. Yeah. I mean, I'll come back to what I was saying because of what Barrack World is to us and what we've set it up as, we need to try and get pretty close to the, the high goal. Yes. That's my position. Well, we need to take the, uh, yeah, we need to take the next step on and yeah. then after that, the next step. I mean, I think ultimately, it's down to everybody to decide where they draw the line over accessibility. I don't think there are absolutes. I don't think there is even a way that you can, uh, can reach the nirvana of accessibility because I think we're still kind of learning <laughs> as we go along. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that said, I, I, I think the, the biggest danger is complacency. Um, and I, you know, I think it's easy for, for accessibility to slip down the agenda and us to stop striving to improve things. And that's why, actually, I think Derek, the talk with Derek was really good because mm. he did shake us both out of our complacency. Absolutely. With accessibility. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's where it gets really useful. It made me focus on accessibility again and encouraged me to look at ways to improve things. Um, yeah. I think we almost need somebody to push us on a regular basis to think about accessibility on our site. You know, that might be a peer within the industry that we talk to regularly. It might be a colleague um, or an accessibility expert if you've got the budget mm. for that. And in fact, Derek mentioned in his um, his interview, didn't he, the fact that he started doing these monthly accessibility calls. Did mm. you pick up on that bit? Which sounds very similar to our own consultancy clinics, which I, I think would be a great idea for a lot of organisations. One thing I think, and we have to remember that accessibility isn't just about um, you know, visual impairments or impairments or hearing impairments. It's also about older devices and other devices like that. We should go back and have a look what it looks like on IE5. Yeah. And just make sure that it is still accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that will get a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, if it's just you know, it doesn't have to have any styling. Just, no, no, just, just read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just turn <laughs> off the CSS. Yeah. Um, I mean, Derek's definitely pushed accessibility back up my agenda again, which is a good thing. Um, in the show notes, he meant. Well, sorry, in the interview, he mentioned um, a load of different articles and stuff like that um, that he was going to send through to me. Uh, he has done, um, and I, I put those in the show notes. So um, check those out as well. Um, and yeah, there's uh, really that's pretty much all I've got to say this week. Or we've got to say it, well, it's, that's it, quite a long show, so we've had plenty to say. Yeah, <laughs> but it's an interesting subject, isn't it? And uh, yeah, very uh, interesting. Um, I've still no idea. You can pretty much guarantee our next show won't include the transcript, <laughs> but I think we do need to sort it out sooner than later. Yes. The reason I say the next show isn't going to um, uh, include a transcript is because I haven't written it yet, and it's or I haven't got any idea what the subject is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying we're going to record it this week? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but we will address this. Marcus is going to be in charge of the show's accessibility from here on forward. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Do we have a joke to finish up on? Are you going to make your joke? Is that going to go into the transcript? Do people really need to hear your joke? I, I think it's a mercy on people if they don't have to read the, your jokes in the transcript. Well, these are the top 10 jokes from the Edinburgh Festival. Right. On the fringe. 
Um, one of which I noticed someone had repeated on Twitter the other day, so I'll, rep- I'll read that one. This is from Nick Helm. This was number one, which is, I needed a password eight characters long, so I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, uh, one more for now I'm going to save these because they'll be useful they're precious keep you going for weeks and weeks yeah Um, uh, oh yeah right this is from Matt Kirshen I was playing chess with my friend and he said let's make this interesting so we stopped playing chess (laughs) (laughs) that's harsh I like chess I started playing chess with my son it's fun yeah I don't like chess do you not no well, you like cricket. How can you like cricket and not chess? I don't know. I quite like playing cards, but I just uh, as a game, it's not my game. Uh-huh. I can't enough. think 30 moves ahead, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can I, which is why I play with an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I mean, we are really interested in your opinions over this. It's quite nice when me and Marcus totally disagree over something, or I, <laughs> I big things up to make it sound more interesting. Um, so post your comments in the in the for, uh, forum, in the comments mm-hmm. on the um, on the show notes. I've lost the ability to speak today, so we'll finish the show at that point. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. 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 B